Listener Production. US shares post worst start to a year since 2016. Australian investors look ahead to key retail sales and inflation figures later in the week. I'm Ryan. I'm Craig. It's Monday, the 8th of January, 2024. Craig, Happy New Year. A very happy new year to our listeners as well. I hope you had a relaxing break and a fantastic festive season. Craig, it hasn't been the happiest start to a year, though, for investors. No, no, we did have uh, declines over the the last week for the US markets and also for the Australian uh, market. We've got to remember where we are. We're pretty much close to record highs still. So I think this was a a pause for breath last week. Yes. In fact, the S&P 500 in the United States is less than 2% from a record high. We did see the three major averages notch their first negative week in 10 with the NASDAQ suffering the biggest decline down by 3.3%, its worst weekly performance since September. The S&P 500 and Dow Jones dropped 1.5% and 0.6% respectively. That's their worst start to a year since 2016, as I mentioned at the outset. We did see, however, the major indexes up on Friday slightly. The Dow Jones finished higher by 26 points or 0.1%. The S&P 500 index rose 0.2%. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq index eked out a gain of 14 points or 0.1%. A lot of economic data in the United States to decipher on Friday, Craig. Yes, the the job figures is always the the highlight in terms of the economic data. And 216,000 jobs were created in December. That was ahead of survey estimates of 175,000. Jobless rate held steady at 3.7%, a little bit below the expectations for 3.8%. A participation rate fell. And hourly earnings up 0.4%, a little bit above um, expectations for the month of December of 0.3% to be up 4.1% on the year. Uh, We'd also had the ISM Services Index. That was lower from 52.7 to 50.6 in December. The expectation had been yesterday a fairly unchanged result at 52.5. So the data, I think, is probably best described as mixed on Friday. It was. Certainly, we did see the employment measure in the Institute of Supply Management survey at the lowest level in nearly three and a half years. In fact, it plunged quite significantly from around 50.7 in November to 43.3 in December. So that was the lowest level since July 2020. What it suggests is while the December employment data overall remained robust, particularly the wages data, and we saw more jobs gained than expected, If you look at some of the private sector surveys like the ISM survey, the services sector is amongst the biggest employers in the United States, and that does suggest there's some cooling in the labour market taking place. We did see quite a mixed reaction from investors on Friday. So after the release of the December jobs data, Mm -hmm. that doused expectations of a rapid easing of interest rates, particularly in March. There's been a lot of discussion about the US Federal Reserve's interest rate trajectory over the beginning of 2024. And we saw markets pair back those expectations from March rate cut on the back of that strong jobs data. However, the survey from the ISM then showed activity in the service sector dipped in December, as I mentioned, and that encouraged investors betting on a rapid easing of rates, and that sent markets higher. So we did see markets finish overall slightly higher. There wasn't really a lot of company news on Friday, Craig. There were a couple of shares that really did stand out. Peloton being one of them. Its shares lifted 9.6% after the fitness equipment maker said it would bring work out content to a short-form video platform, TikTok. So 
You can get onto TikTok and, and exercise at the same time, perhaps, Craig. Overall, I suppose what um, investors uh, are going to play tug of war, I suppose, for the first couple of weeks and months of the year. They want a strong economy, but they want interest rate cuts at the same time. And it's getting that balance between the health of the economy and uh, interest rates falling. Absolutely. And we did see the US Treasury market react to the jobs report. The US 10-year Treasury yield was up six basis points to 4.05%. And the short end, the two-year was up just one basis point to 4.39%. So we did see last week quite a significant jump in US Treasury yields. The 10-year was up by 17 points and the two-year yield was up 14 points. And the reaction on Friday was interesting. Of course, we did see a whip-soaring of those US Treasury yields on the back of the stronger-than-expected jobs report and unexpectedly weak reading of the services sector. So that really did give opposing views of the strength of the US mm. economy. And we saw, as I mentioned earlier, markets repricing expectations for a March rate cut. So markets are pricing in a 62% chance of a 25 basis point rate cut for March. We did see that up from 53% chance earlier in the day. Uh, but certainly at the same time, markets still see the Fed cutting rates by a total of 143 basis points by the end of the year, down from expectations of more than 160 basis points just two weeks ago. The concern really is that the easing in financial conditions with that 10-year Treasury yield falling from around 5% in mid-October to around 4% now, mm. that could undo some of the progress around inflation, certainly a pickup in activity in the economy and, and obviously higher wages at the same time with a strong jobs market could be behind pushing back on those bets for rate cuts in March. We did see European share markets log their first weekly loss in eight on Friday, and much came down to a couple of things. The first one being talk of anti-trust and anti-dumping investigations between the EU and China. So you may recall that the EU or the bloc opened a probe last year into electric vehicle subsidies in China. Mm. And now in response to that or retaliation, if you want to say that, China is launching an anti-dumping investigation into liquor products like brandy from the European Union. And on the back of that, we did see stocks French ones in particular, like Remy Contro and Pernod Ricard, they fell by 12% and 3.6% mm. respectively after China announced the launch of those anti-dumping investigations into brandy imported from the European Union. So that had a bit of an impact on European markets. Yeah, the economic data wasn't um, overly flash in the, in the European Union as well. Retail sales in Germany fell by 2.5% in November. The, the expectations were only a modest fall of 0.1%. And European inflation, the annual rate rose from 2.4% to 2.9%. Not in the right direction for, for investors. The, in terms of currency markets, um, the Aussie dollar starting the week a little bit higher, 67.13 cents or thereabouts. Uh, the major currencies were slightly firmer against the, the greenback as a result of the mixed economic data coming out of the United States. Yes, we saw the Aussie dollar lift from 66.41 cents to 67.46 US cents. The US dollar last week, however, was stronger. We did see the US dollar pick up by about 1% as investors digested the latest comments from the US Federal Reserve, but also at the same time, we did see some risk-off sentiment around the equities market too. But a lot of focus on what's happening in the commodity space, which is influencing the Aussie dollar as well at the moment. Iron ore futures were down 1% to 141.45 US dollars a tonne. And of course, we are continuing to see 
Near-term weakness around demand, we have seen rising portside inventories in China, and that's dented buying appetite for the key steelmaking ingredient. So that's had a little bit of impact on the Aussie dollar. But really where the commodity space is interesting at the moment, Craig, is the oil price. As you mentioned, mm. the US oil NYMEX price is up 2.2% on Friday to 73.81 US dollars a barrel. And we saw oil post a weekly advance, lifting as much as 3% last week, bolstered by disruptions in Libya and increased tensions in the Middle East. Yeah, and concerns about the the Red Sea, the throughput of uh, container ships and the like, you know, so through the the Red Sea. Uh, Maersk is saying that it will divert all ships from the Red Sea. So that's one container company that certainly yes, sort of has responded to the the concerns about yes, the war and and the spreading of the the war in the Middle East. Yes, protesters in Libya have also disrupted supply from the Shahara and also the LFL fields, which could take about 300,000 barrels a day out of the oil market. And as you mentioned, we've had continuing Houthi militant groups in Yemen claiming another strike on a merchant ship in the Red Sea. So that has provided some support for the oil price. We've got US Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who's begun a week-long trip through the Middle East in an attempt to contain regional tensions staked by Israel and Hamas. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us for the start of a new year and new week. Have a great day. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.